0: Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Kahn Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube. You know the deal. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in, and don't forget you can read my work. I'm ESPN.com. I have a story up now at one up yesterday about Sam Howell, one up now about Chase Young and the excitement about Chase Young, but also surrounding the team with the fans here at the Commanders Practice Facility. So let's start there. Oh, by the way, before I continue, don't forget I will be doing a live podcast. I'm going to do it at 1 p.m. Eastern time on Friday. I know that may not be the best time for all of you, but it's it's the time I got and it's the time I'm going to do it. So join me if you can. Appreciate anybody who's able to tune in and it'll be on the site later and it'll be up as a podcast as well. So you can tune in for that later or come in there. I'm going to give you about 10 minutes of an update and I'll answer questions for about 10 to 15 minutes so you can find out some of the questions that you want answered. And I can hopefully help you with what I've seen from the early part of training camp. Keep in mind, they still haven't put on the pads yet. And today there were no pads at all, no shells or anything like that. So they're really, it's just as players like to say, the underwear Olympics, you can still learn some things, but you can't extrapolate and go too far with the meaning of everything until the pads come on. So let's set the scene for you here today because a big story of a big story today was the return of the fans. It was the first day that practice was open to fans. And they showed up, folks. They were the team estimated around 3,000. I think that's a fairly accurate estimate. I was guessing around 2,500. They had around 3,000. Associated Press estimated around 3,000 as well, um, as did Scott Abraham from Channel 7. And so, like, there you go. So it's around 3,000. That's a really good crowd for a first day of camp, especially training out here in Ashburn. Not the easiest place to get to was at 9 a.m. And they also I think fans had to get used to the idea of you're going to have to park somewhere else and then take a shuttle over to the facility. So the early, early part of practice, maybe there was about a little about 1500 here. And then as the shuttle buses were bringing people over, it got more and more full. So I'd say, again, around 3000 and you'd have to go back. To the RG3 days in Richmond when you get opening day crowds like that. And certainly, you know, they used to get that back in the day, but it's been a little while since then. And you know, last year there were less than a hundred. I mean, it was pretty bad. I know that was some of that was the lottery system they had that wasn't working as well, but a lot of it, as you know, was apathy toward the team and the lack of excitement about the franchise in general. And that's what this is about right now. It's about the excitement about the franchise. Whether or not this team is any good this year, I think certainly fans seem to feel much more free to root for their franchise once again. And you saw it. And you could hear the enthusiasm when Josh Harris, a new owner, showed up. There were a couple chants of thank you, Josh. Nothing like overly exuberant, but just certainly some people chanting that. He's signing autographs. He's getting pictures taken with people. He understands that this is a honeymoon period. Trust me, he understands that. He also knows if he doesn't win in a few years, that honeymoon period is not going to last that long. But I do think that that the commanders have the right group in charge to try to turn this around. Not just turn it around, because they're not they're not extremely far off from being a good team. We got to see about Sam Howell. We know that, but as far as being a sustainable winning organization. They weren't there yet because they haven't done that. They hadn't done that in more than two decades. So they're not there. They have some work to do and they know it. But it's a big part of this equation is getting the fans back, selling more tickets to FedEx Field. That's one of the things that you talk to people in charge here that they feel like they've been doing very well. They're certainly selling more tickets to games. That Arizona game is going to be as close to a sellout. I think a big difference there is not only is it close to sellout, but it's close to a sellout by commanders fans, not just because they're playing the Cowboys and you get half and half. This is that's a better sign. Now, how it goes the rest of the year, who knows? But in that first game, I think you're going to hear the most pro-commander crowd that we've seen in a while there. And you know, I think the players consistently talk about what that means for them and even chase young was talking today just he said you look around this facility and i you know there's video on the on the youtube page on one of the shorts section that just shows you the facility and he said he goes it was like it he goes it looks like it's an nfl practice and he's right this is how it should look as you can hear planes flying overhead as of course we're close to dulles you got the state some of the stands behind me right now but you know you hear that um and he even said that it was he kind of laughed because you hear the fans going crazy when he said, he, you know, he looked around and the receivers are running routes on air. So there's no defense. McLaurin catches a long pass and the crowd goes crazy within reason. That doesn't happen all the time. Right. But that's when you know that they just feel good again about rooting for this franchise. So that that's part of what was going on here. You had one fan yelling to Ron Rivera as they, as he walked on the field, he got a nice ovation. Tress way, got a nice ovation as he walked. uh, So did chase young Terry, of course, but with, with Rivera, one fan yelled out, no BS, Ron, it's all about football. And Ron, of course, acknowledged that because that's something that he knows very well that this is the first time that he's really coaching this franchise when it is just about football. So, there you go and and um again they know it's a honeymoon period, they know it won't last because you you've got to build a winner for this to last, but it's but it's it's almost like a rebirth and you know and there you go. So, a lot of work to be done today with that. So, let's get to on the field, catch you up on on some of the highlights for practice again. No pad, so take it all for what it's worth, but we're seeing some traits. And one of the guys I want to talk about is running back Brian Robinson. I pointed out yesterday one that he had the catch of the day this little one-handed grab along the side got his feet tippy tapped his toes in had another really you know you can see the way they're using i mean you know, some routes down the seam but also out of the backfield he got khalik hudson one time on a route and when you when you know, I actually happen to be watching that particular play at that time because i something when i watch whether it's a seven on seven or 11 on 11 you, it's hard to focus on all, everything all at once. So you go back and like, I try to watch who's the guy, what's the matchup I want to watch. And sometimes it means you miss something over here. But in this time, I'm like, I want to watch Hudson against Brian Robinson, because I think both are key to what's going on here. Robinson, his development as a, as a receiver, and then Hudson, his, his growth as a linebacker to help provide more depth. On this particular one, you can see Hudson, you know, Robinson lined up offset as a running back. Hudson starts leaning out to the outside, doesn't want to get him that out, doesn't want to lose that outside leverage. So he it. and then the snap, Hudson is caught leaning and Robinson comes out, does a little shake and dust him inside. Just a really nice move by Robinson, catches the ball. You had Cody Barton flying over, almost deflects it, but but Robinson got it. good throw. Um, but just a good job with Robinson with his feet. And it wasn't that he couldn't catch it at Alabama. They said he didn't need to. They didn't need him in that role. But it's a role they want to develop with him here. So that was one play. Now, you know, for for Hudson, he got – there was another time where there's a screen. I think it was to Robinson. He would have – he probably would have made the tackle in that play. But he kind of – you know, you allow yourself to get blocked out of the play because you're not supposed to be tackling out here yet. And the, the play goes for a long game, which the crowd liked. But I do think that that he probably would have made the play on that one. So a good job by Hudson there. And I think it'll be interesting to watch how Robinson evolves in this offense and the way they're using like that RPO game, the impact it has on him. And one of the things that Sam Howell talked about on Wednesday was that RPO game. And it's something that he used it that he was familiar with. At North Carolina, because they did a lot. So he said some of these concepts that he's running now are the same as what he ran at Car. Or that that they use at Carolina. They did not use the RPO a ton last year. It was not a big part of Scott Turner's offense, but it is a big part of Eric Bieniemy's offense. And he, you know, Howell thinks it kind of will help the run game. So we'll see how it works with Robinson and Antonio Gibson. Um, and you know, it it could the whole the main focus cause indecision on the defense. You do that now you have a chance. So there you go on all that. I also like how Cole Turner has been running and looking early in camp. Nothing, I don't have any big highlights to discuss with him. Just that, you know, don't forget about this kid. Like he was the talk, he was a talk of camp last year until he got hurt. And that, you, you hurt that hamstring once, man. It can bother you for a long time. And it looks like he's running more freely. Um, You know, it seems to be doing a good job. I do think that he's a guy that, he provides necessary size at that receiver position at the at the receiving position, not receiver, but just as a as a receiver, he provides that necessary size. I think combined with Logan Thomas, they should be okay there as long as they stay healthy. Um, and so there, there you go there. And then I talked talk to you about Quan Martin yesterday. And I'm going to talk about this kid a lot because I really like him. And he's a guy that I think he's I think you know, I think their first two picks will be end up to be very good picks. But Quan Martin, um, I just really, really like. And I think he's a very smart player. And one of the things I know that one of the reasons they liked him is because he was taught by, for his first few years at Illinois, by Lovey Smith. Now, Lovey wasn't there last year, but Lovey is a guy that Ron Rivera knows very well and respects very well. So, respects a lot. And so he got they got good Intel on, on Quan, but, but I know in the process, when they would talk to some of those Illinois players, they would talk about how well prepared they felt they were. And that's why when I talked to you yesterday about how settled he is with his feet, how patient he is with his feet in the slot, it comes back to, I think, the knowledge and the smarts for the game, anticipating knowing what could be coming and then and not falling for for false moves, false steps. Etc. So, I, you know, he's just a guy, like I said, if I like him. So we'll see where it goes when the pads come on. But I do like him. I think he's going to be a good player for them. School is out and summer is here. So it's time to plan your next family adventure with eight different levels, 16 courses, 250 climbing obstacles and over 4000 feet of zip lines. The Adventure Park at Sandy Spring, located in Montgomery County, Maryland is the largest ropes course and zipline park in the country. Beat the heat and join us after dark for some night climbing. When the sun goes down, the park is lit up, allowing you to climb under the stars. Check out their glow in the park events for extra glow lights and music throughout the forest. Want to keep your feet on the ground? Grab a bite to eat from the food truck and give ax throwing a try. Perfect for first timers or experts, their projector systems allow you to throw at traditional targets, play tic-tac-toe, connect for, or even hunt zombies. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any ticket by entering the code kime 23 dc at checkout. That's promo code kime 23 dc keim K-E-I-M-2-3-D-C. Now open seven days a week, this is the perfect time of year to get outside and join the adventure at theadventurepark.com. Let's go to the offensive line for a minute. Just looking at some of the backups, because I think there's going to be some int- interesting situations that develop there. Because, you know, you the, right now the starters are, you got Leno, Charles, Gates, Cosme, and Wiley. So those are going to be your starters. And the backups, you have Daniels, fourth-round pick you're going to keep. Stromberg, third-round pick you're going to keep inexperienced guys obviously and i think daniels definitely needs some work to, before he becomes a, a a legitimate contributor and then and you have chris paul another young guy inexperienced but again i told you yesterday that they like they want to at least get him some reps at tackle at some point they do like him at guard they like the way his body was reshaped that he's in better shape this year than he was last off season. so then what do you do like you know tyler larson He's primarily a center, but he can play guard. They need him to play guard because you can't have three guys on your roster that you just think will play center. That's it. You can't do that in this day and age. Nolan Laufenberg will be a guy to watch because he also can play center and guard. Might be a guy you can put on practice squad, elevate, but he can play center and guard. Mason Brooks is a guy that can play guard and tackle. And so I think he was a priority signing in free agents as an undrafted free agent. And I think he's going to be one to watch as we move into camp as well. So there you go with that. Now let's get to Diami Brown because he had a big catch today, probably the, the catch of the day. The offense was not great today. I, and I will say this. I think the defense should look better. They're further ahead They're You know, this is an experienced group. You have the same system and it's your second year in the zone match coverage scheme. And one of the things Rivera talked about today was just that they've tweaked some of the zone match stuff because they can, because this group is now experiencing. Now you have Forbes and, and then Martin and some of the younger guys, but the but the key of this group is um, they're experiencing it. And so they can they can now build off of that. And the communication, Rivera said, has been better. So that's an area that where they feel like really good. But it all adds up to why I think the defense is going to be ahead. The offense still learning. You have a quarterback who's young and inexperienced. You have a new offense, etc. So I don't freak out if the offense has some bad days. To be honest, if they don't have bad days, it's because maybe the defense isn't as good as we think it should be. Anyway, all that said, the first big play goes to Diami Brown, and it was a, it was a, a deep ball from Jacoby Brissett. It was he was working against um. Uh, a corner Tariq Castro Fields. So, a guy that may not make the roster, but it was still a really good catch. It was a good throw from Brissett, but it was a really good catch, and it highlighted why they liked Brown when they drafted him speed to get downfield, but also making the contested catches. That's what he did here. So, he kind of jumps up and twirl, you know, turns a little bit, just out, out, grab, out, leaps. Castro fields for the ball, and then he falls to the ground, and he held on the ball. Just a good catch. Now they need Brown to be productive, and I know he had one decent game last year, but there was only a couple catches. They need him to be a lot more productive. They they feel like he will be in this offense because of his speed and the way Bienemy is going to use him. And if he can get on that field, you know Hall has a deep arm. Obviously, their college connection, but it's more about the deep arm and being able to hit him if you have speed underneath. And then maybe you can free ground to get open down the field. But he's got to be a bigger part because otherwise you have three guys. And if something happens to one of those three guys, then we're Because after the top four, it's hard to see how good is that depth. That to me is a question mark. Now, one of the things to watch with those last couple guys is, can any of them replace what Cam Sims did on special teams as a gunner? So they have Marcus Kemp is a special teams guy. They signed Byron Pringle from the Chiefs. You know, he can play special teams as well. And then sample, the, the guy sample is a is an undrafted guy. He's a guy to watch because he's got size. Now, is he going to make the roster? I don't know, but I think he's a guy that you could put on practice squad and see where he develops. And could he become again, you know, a, a contributor there? But it's but to be honest, like that Cam Sims role is a little bit surprised to let him get away just because he does so he did so much for them. And again, as a gunner, he was really, really good. So, anyway, let's stick to receiver because I want to talk about Terry McLaurin. One of the things I love to do during camp, you know, we can tape, we can only tape about from on video about 10, about maybe 50, first 15 minutes or so of practice. And in that time you get some, just really some individual drills, no one-on-one matchups anymore. So you're not going to see that from us. Fans in the stands can record the video. They do not let the media record it after a certain point because there's I mean, their, their thought is that we have a bigger reach, whatever, you know, fans can do it you can put it out there. We can see it. Thank you for that. But for me, what I like to do is I like to record the receivers, for example, then go back and see how they do it and use Terry McLaurin as, as the guide. So there were a couple of routes that uh, even on Wednesday that I saw, I was just like a little quick five yard out. Right. And so how does, what, how does McLaurin do it compared to some of the other guys, not all the receivers, but just in his group, the X receiver spot. And what you'd see is a lot of times on that second and third step, McLaurin's already into his turn. So by the fifth, so like he's got, um, some guys might be turning on their inside foot. He's planning and turning and he's getting into his turn quicker. And so by his fifth step, his head is already around. And you see some other guys, it might be their sixth step, their seventh step before their head gets around because they're just, they're running, their routes aren't as crisp. The difference in that, the here's the difference. That fifth, that his head turns around, quarterback's getting rid of the ball. And on a couple of catches, I noticed one guy, one receiver, and I forget which who it is now. It doesn't matter. It's more just you know the steps. The receiver who took six steps to get his head around catches the ball, tippy toes, goes out of bounds. Terry gets his head around at five steps, catches the ball, has enough room on the sidelines to still turn up and turn it into a game. Now, again, it was just an individual route, but in a game, those little extra yards matter. And when you do it, precise, that's what happens. And that's one of the things that McLaurin does. He, there are, you know, Jahan Dotson's a really good route runner too. And I want to pay attention to what he does as well because, for the same reason. But McLaurin, you saw that that's one of the things that I always see. And it's something I always like to do because you learn a lot. And so there you go. Um, there were a couple times he's not perfect. <clears throat> he did have one route against uh, Benjamin St. Juice. And this says a lot about St. Juice. And his ability to play physical. And McLaurin comes off the line. Saint Juice jams him, gets his right arm, right hand in there on his on his on his up 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 on his peck and his chest and stops him. He gets him. He, he he wins the route because he was able to play physical, keep his balance. Just good technique by St. Juiced. Um now McLaurin gets got. Emmanuel Forbes later in the practice, and this is after the De'Ami Brown catch, McLaurin beats Forbes. and I didn't see the start of the play. Like I told you, I'm not watching everybody on every play because it's hard to do that. He was on the opposite side. All I know is he was about five yards beyond Forbes, and he makes the catch um, for, for a long game. So that that's Terry McLaurin, folks. And by the way, Jay, linebacker Jamin Davis still working with the twos you know and i know they did they did this with Cody Barton in the spring they had him work with that while the others so the others could kind of run at their fast pace while he was still working in the speed and that's what you know with Davis again that's why he was here with the rookies Davis seems pretty fired up about what he could do this year all right let's get to Chase Young and i talked about him yesterday as well i'm going to briefly talk about him again today because he continues to look good again no contact yet and Charles Leno the left tackle he's going against when you can't really make contact with them, a defensive, end, a good defensive end is going to win more often than not because you just you, you're going to limit your contact. But what I will say, what the good sign is, he's he is getting into to Leno, and he is, you know, he was he was one some on the outside, and won some on the inside. Those are all good signs, and and I'll be curious to see how that battle evolves when they get into when they get deeper into practice and they get the pads on. Also, now on the Eric Bieniemy, there goes some of my notes on the Eric Bieniemy um, update. Cause you always got to talk about the enemy. And again, I think the urgency and practice has been good. And w- again, I pointed this out yesterday. I like how receivers sprint to the line of scrimmage. He's very big at yelling at the guys to get out of the huddle, get up to the line, et cetera. He did have one time where Sadiq Charles has a false start. He sends the, off, the first offense off the field because of it. Um, and so there you go. Anyway, All right, folks, that's it for me. That's the practice update for Thursday, July. What is it? July 27th. I'll be back with another update on Friday. Again, it's a 1 p.m. live, live, live podcast. Bring your questions pop in for it i'll keep you only about 15 20 minutes so you can pop in for that tell your boss you're going to the taking a bathroom break or whatever it is and and join me in there and or maybe you just go out and get a quick brew you know it's lunch right so there you go um anyway but join me one o'clock eastern time podcast bring your questions i'll answer as many as i can in about 10 to 15 minutes and then we'll be good to go so i'll talk to you next time